Everybody else can turn to Ruth chapter 2. Episode, season 1, episode 2 of Ruth. Listen as I, I read to us chapter 2 of this, this story. <clears throat> now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite, was sent, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan, who was of, the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping, and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been told, fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and full reward be given, be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants." And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her the roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epaph, ephah, I can never say that word, <laughs> of barley. And she took it up and went to the city. Her mother-in-law said, said, saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. 
Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with, this, with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Amen. Let's pray. O oh, make your word a swift word, passing from the ear to the heart, from the heart to the lip and conversation, that as the rain returns not empty, so neither may your word, but accomplish that for which it is given. Amen. Well, uh, have you heard about the, the DART the DART mission, this NASA space mission that, that's kind of been in the news. Uh, like everything with NASA, it's, a, it's an acronym. It stands for a double asteroid redirection test. So this is the deal where they, uh, they, they hit a small asteroid that was orbiting a larger asteroid with a spacecraft in attempt to change the orbit of the small asteroid. And so, like, don't have it. When I first heard about it, I had the whole Bruce Willis and, like, nuclear bombs on asteroids kind of image in my mind. This was definitely not, not that exciting. But it was kind of cool, right? It's this sort of first attempt to see if they could alter the trajectory of, of an asteroid. So in case ever one is headed our way they might be able to do something about it, right? So they, they crashed this ship into this asteroid and then they took a bunch of, of measurements and to see how much force it would take to, to pull it off and how much advanced warning it would take. Like, you know, if you alter the trajectory of, of something while it's 100 million miles out in space... You know that is going to alter its course by a greater degree, but if you if, than it would if it was just you know ten million miles out in space, and so just the slightest change of a trajectory on something like that can have a dramatic effect on the course that it takes and what planets it does or does not crash into with the doomsday effect. So, in chapter two of Ruth, we we see this trajectory change. Like we see the story kind of alter its course in, in some way. Their, 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 their fortunes are starting to, to turn. It's, it's the impact of grace in the story that makes that change. And, and that's going to have a huge impact not only on Ruth and Naomi and how their story ends up, but on Boaz who we finally meet in chapter 2, and it's actually going to have an impact on Bethlehem, and then and, and finally the entire nation of Israel. And ultimately, of course, it's going to have a huge impact on, on all of redemptive history, as we'll get to. But the thing to remember about this episode, this, this story in, in the story of Ruth, is, is that the Lord is working. The Lord is working to redeem Ruth and Naomi out of their troubles by providing a redeemer who meets all their needs. And that's how the Lord always works. That's his MO. That's his modus operandi, right? It's, 
It's the Lord working to redeem his people. So let's look at the impact of grace on this story as it further and further unfolds before us as we sort of watch as the circumstances of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz as well change. So let's look at the, the grace of Boaz's general, uh, generous obedience, the grace of Ruth's humble service, and the grace of the Lord's unfolding redemption. So the grace of Boaz's general obedience, the grace of Ruth's humble service, and then finally the grace of the Lord's unfolding redemption. So let's look at the grace of Boaz's uh, generous obedience. Like right away, like first thing out of chapter or chapter two, verse one, you know, Boaz gets mentioned and it's almost like if you're writing a story, you don't necessarily want to reveal the, the identity of, of the, the hero or the, the person who's going to come and, and change everything right away. Normally you'd want to sort of like string people along and build up their anticipation and excitement, but that's not the point of this right out of the gate. The, the author of Ruth go, goes ahead and mentions Boaz, kind of like skipping ahead in the story a few paragraphs. And we're told a couple of things about Boaz that's kind of going to be demonstrated in, in his treatment of Ruth later on, or it's going to be important. Uh, verse 1 says, Naomi, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So the first thing is that he was related to Naomi and Elimelech, her husband Elimelech. He was in the same clan. So the, the kind of circles that you would draw in terms of family closeness would be like, you know, immediate family. And in, in that time, that included not just uh, you know, the, the, the husband and wife and their kids, but usually like maybe the parents and the, the patriarch and matriarch of that family. And then sort of out from there included the brothers and sisters and their families and the, the cousins of that. And then, you know, finally the, the clan that you were in uh, within that area and then the tribe that you were in. And so Boaz is, is more of a greater degree removed than he could be. He's in that clan sort of circle out there. Um, so he was related to, to Elimelech, but not too close. Uh, but it also says that he was a worthy man. And that literally, in Hebrew, it says he was a man of great wealth. But that expression has been translated in a couple of different ways throughout the, the Old Testament. It shows up a couple of other places. It's also often translated that, uh, as being valiant, being a mighty warrior, Right? Uh, or a man of integrity, a man of great moral worth, uh, if not financial and material worth. And so that's, that's who Boaz is. And we're going to see like both of those things were, were true of him, right? He, he obviously was a man of means in terms of owning land and having servants and workers and sort of being in charge of this, this harvesting operation that he had going on, but he's also, by his actions, shows himself to be a man of integrity, a man of great moral worth. By the way, the same description is used of Ruth later on in chapter 3. But Ruth's plan is to go and to glean in the fields after the reapers who were harvesting barley 
in the fields. And, and something to know, there's a couple of bits of Old Testament law and tradition that we need to understand that's going to unfold as the further along we get in the story of Ruth uh, and Boaz and Naomi. Um, but one of those is that, that this practice that Ruth is going to engage in was part of the law of the land of Israel that God gave them under Moses as part of the civil law of the nation of Israel. But it was a way that the nation was called to care for the poor, people who were exactly in Ruth and Naomi's position, people who were able-bodied, but for one reason or another found themselves unable to provide for themselves. And so widows uh, were one of the primary targets and beneficiaries of this civil law that existed in the nation of Israel. Leviticus 19 9 says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your fields right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest as the things that sort of fall to the ground and that the reapers miss. And you shall not gather the gleanings after your harvest and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. And so this is just one example in the Old Testament law and the civil law of the nation of Israel in which God's people were to reflect in the character of their nation's law, the character of God who was their king. And note how this passage in, in Leviticus ends and kind of as Leviticus lays out these individual statutes for the people of Israel to follow this little refrain, I am the Lord your God, often comes at the end of them. In Deuteronomy 24, uh, they lay out the same statute, but in Deuteronomy 24, 22, it adds this. It says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and therefore I command you to do this. So there's a good reason why God's people were to have these, these laws in place as a nation, that God's people were to have compassion on the poor and the alien sojourner in their midst and remember that they were in the very same position. And when they were in that very same position, God had mercy on them. God provided for them. God took care of them. That the care for the poor and the foreigner, compassion for those who are in need and in a place of material poverty is central to the idea and the identity of God's people. It's one of the primary ways that we reflect his character to a watching secular world. And so Ruth was simply going to avail herself of the social safety net of the day. The social safety net that God had provided. But this wasn't always a sure thing. Nor was it always a safe thing, even within the borders of the nation of Israel. And this is where Boaz shows his, shows his quality, right? Boaz knows that he's the recipient of the grace of his covenant God. Boaz recognizes that he has received something which he himself does not deserve. Verse 4, Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. So 
These simple words, this simple greeting is customary, but also it tells us something, right? That the first thing it tells us is this, there's this idea that's, that's central to understanding the story of Ruth, and that is that the land of Israel, the actual soil in which all this barley and stuff was growing, didn't belong to Boaz, but ultimately it belonged to the Lord. That the land of Israel really belongs to God. And the people understand this, or or at least they were supposed to understand this. And Boaz's greeting, like even though it was it was kind of a customary one and a common one, indicates like there's some understanding on his part that he knows of his dependence on the Lord and the needing the Lord's blessing. And that every stalk of grain that he harvests is a gift of grace from God. I think this is why Boaz felt so empowered and so free and so generous with what the Lord had given him because he understood it to be a gift that God had given to him, which he was then to use in service of the Lord and his covenant people. It's what enables Boaz's graciousness towards Ruth. Even though the Lord had arranged this process and this this safety net of gleaning as a means of of caring for the poor in the nation, not every landowner practiced this this, uh, law to the full extent or, or made their fields open and accommodating to those who would come in and glean. And, and Ruth herself, and, and she goes out to do this work, says this little prayer in verse 2. She says, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Right? She knows that, that if this is going to work, if they're going to benefit from this, this safety net, that there's going to need to be grace. And this word favor shows up several times in chapter 2. And it... it it is often translated grace. But Boaz gives Ruth protection and provision. He gives her protection as a, a single, vulnerable young woman who's working among the men. And Boaz says to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? So he's saying to her, stay in my field among the women of my household where I can protect you. And I can make sure you're protected from from any kind of harassment or assault. Now this might seem kind of shocking to us, right? But apparently this was a, a thing that Ruth and Naomi were worried about. In verse 22, Naomi says to her, you know, daughter-in-law, like, it is good that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. Right? Remember, like, this is the time of the judges. And, and that is as much, we said, a theological statement about people's mindsets as it is a, a, a historical one. And so the time of the judges was marked by people doing whatever was right in their own eyes. But he also, he provides this protection, but he also provides uh, for her as one of his own household. In other words, he gives her permission to drink from his worker's water supply 
And then he feeds him himself the, the food that he has brought for his, his workers. And, and not in these, you know, skimpy half portions either. No, he gives her enough food for her to eat and then for her to take back to Naomi so they can have leftover night, right? He invites her to glean in the best places and for his own workers to even, you know, as you're going along, just sort of drop, drop a little bit on the ground and, and let Naomi or let Ruth gather it up and don't rebuke her for that in verse 15 and 16. Like I said, I think this is Boaz's response to grace that he knows he has received. That Boaz's grace towards Ruth is a response to grace that he has seen and experienced. Verses 11 and 12, he talks about the grace that he has seen Ruth offer to Naomi, although I don't think that Ruth was consciously aware that that's what she was doing. But Boaz answered her in verse 11, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Like, he recognizes here that, and he, he, he's, he offers to Ruth this, this blessing. He says, may the Lord repay you. But he doesn't just say that in abstract, does it? He recognizes that this is his calling, that it's, he's part of the Lord's blessing to Ruth. He's part of the Lord repaying Ruth for what she has done for Naomi. That he responds to Ruth's gracious uh, fidelity, not only to her mother-in-law, but to the Lord by offering to Ruth the same kind of grace that he's seen demonstrated by her. Ruth's faithfulness to her mother-in-law when it would have been easier for her to remain in Moab. Now, Ruth's faithfulness to her new people, Israel, in returning to the land of promise with Naomi. Ruth's faithfulness to her new covenant God in walking obediently and humbly in working hard to take care of Naomi and to meet her need. Boaz recognizes when he says, may the Lord uh, shelter you under his wings or that he is part of the feathers of the Lord's wings as he gives shelter to these ones who are in need. I think the whole point is that grace begets grace. Boaz already recognized his dependence on God's goodness And then he sees the testimony of God's grace in the life of Ruth and her faithfulness. Even in the middle of her struggle through poverty with Naomi, even though she is materially poor, he recognizes that Ruth is spiritually very wealthy. I think in a lot of ways, Ruth is teaching and leading by her gracious example. Though humbly, she doesn't realize it. That what Ruth is surviving is preaching the gospel in some ways. The tragedy of Elimelech and his sons, Ruth's husband, is starting to unfold as the providential grace of God changes the trajectory of this story. So let's look a little closer at Ruth's, the grace of Ruth's humble service. So we kind of stole a lot of the thunder of this point from, from point one, but 
in making, in making that first point, we, we stole some thunder, but from the beginning, Ruth recognizes her calling now is to help her and Naomi make do in this circumstance. It's, it's her idea to go and glean among the workers harvesting. And then Ruth works tirelessly and, and shows respect and humility towards the owner of the field. The, the testimony of Boaz's foreman in verses 5 through 7 says that he, she's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. And so she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Ruth recognizes that even though being allowed to glean in the field was her right as commanded by God, that she doesn't take it for granted. She, she recognizes these provisions were given to her by a gracious God. And so she works hard only with a short rest. She asks permission before gleaning in the prime spots. And this even catches the attention of the foreman who brings it to Boaz because only really Boaz, the owner of the field, can give her that permission to glean among the sheaves. So Ruth shows humble gratitude for the grace that has been shown to her. Boaz grants her permission and and his protection. And then in verse 10 says, she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Here's that word favor again. Why are you giving me this grace? She says, Boaz says, I I know, I know what you've done. I know what you are doing for your mother-in-law. I know what you've done for Naomi of your faithfulness to her and to the Lord. And in verse 13, Ruth says, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. That word favor again, I found favor, I found grace in your eyes. The receiving of grace requires and produces humility. It requires humility because you must recognize that that's your only hope. (laughs) The grace is your only hope. Ruth had to recognize that she and Naomi were dependent upon grace for their lives. Grace in the form of the, this gleaning system. Grace in the protection and provision of Boaz. And it produces humility because it shows the goodness of God's character at work. You know you're not worthy. You know that you don't deserve it. Have you ever gotten a gift that is so generous and unexpected and, and just exactly what you need in that moment that you're just speechless? That, that you almost don't know how to receive it. You know you don't deserve it, though. That's the humility that grace produces. Finally, let's look at the grace of the Lord's unfolding redemption. There's a lot. This chapter is a lot. There's a lot going on in it, but but you can see the the trajectory change, right? You can see the change in the story 
even at this early stage in the relationship between Ruth and Boaz, uh, you can see the, the kind of what is coming. You get these, these hints and, you know, we, if, you've, if you've ever read the, the story of Ruth or are familiar with it, you, you kind of know how it ends and where it's going. But you've, you've already seen so much of both of their characters, right? And there's, there's a danger here in, in a couple of ways when you look at a story like this in the Bible and you, you study it and try and pick it apart and learn from it. You can, you can uh, either turn it into a, a be like Boaz, you know, he, look, here's Boaz. You see Boaz, be like Boaz. Or here's Ruth, see Ruth, be like Ruth. Like that's the, the trap that you can fall into or you can... You can sort of over allegorize the whole thing and, you know, and say like, you know, Boaz is really like Jesus and Ruth is really like the church. And here's how, and like, there's some truth there too. And there's some, just as there's some truth in, you know, the good example of Ruth and Boaz. Uh, but that's not what this is. This isn't a be like Boaz or be like Ruth service sermon. This is a, a redemptive story and all redemption stories are Jesus stories. This is God's MO playing itself out in one family, in one town, in the nation of Israel. Verse 17 and 18 says, So she gleaned in the field until evening, and then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about uh, an ephah of barley, and she took it up and went to the city. Uh, Ephah, it's about 30 pounds of grain that she had for one day's work. Uh, she took it up and went to the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. This story's about the, the real, tangible, nitty-gritty, like earthy ways that God is providing for Ruth and Naomi. And then looking at those, looking at those small demonstrations of God's faithfulness and seeing the foreshadowing of what is to come seeing those as being indications of how God operates in his people's lives, this more permanent and meaningful redemption that he is working in all of our lives. That our, our survival stories, our stories of survival, whatever it is that we are going through in this moment that we just want to get through or whatever we have gone through in the past that we can now look back upon, those things which we survive in this world become part of this grand tapestry of redemption that God is working out. It's like, it's like an actual literal tapestry. I think I might've made this example before that if you look at a tapestry, like one of those medieval things that hang in a castle, you know, and like you flip it over in the back, all you see is this, this tangle of threads and knots that are just chaotic and it makes no sense. And it's just, it's ugly. It's not, it's not pretty to look at, but then when you flip it back over, you see the greater picture of what those tangles of knots and threads is really weaving themselves into. Those are, those are the struggles. Those are our survival stories of God's redemption and how he's working all things. But the Lord is meeting needs by his grace in ever-expanding ways. First, he, he meets these women's immediate need for food. They just, they needed something to eat. Verse 20, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he, Boaz, be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Now the, 
the grammar question here is whose kindness, right? Is it Boaz's kindness or is it the Lord's kindness? It's the Lord's kindness. It's the Lord who is not forsaking the living or the dead. And he's using Boaz to do that. Uh, then Naomi, Naomi goes on to say, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Next week, we get this hint that God is meeting to meet their, their longer-term needs and making a permanent place for Ruth and Naomi, possibly a new husband for Ruth. But there's also another field of uh, fear, and that's the continuation of Elimelech's name, his inheritance, and his family line. And we'll, that'll come into play uh, as the story unfolds, and we'll talk about this weird thing called leveret marriage that was, was around then. Uh, but not today. But the Lord's purpose and his sights are even bigger and broader than this family. That, that grace is working to redeem. Naomi says, he is one of our redeemers. Literally, he is a kinsman redeemer. Boaz has the power to lift these two women out of their destitution and give them a lasting home and a secure future. And so the question now in the story, the tension is, what is he going to do next? Will Boaz move closer to Ruth, closer in to this redemption that he can offer? We get a very strong hint. Yes, <laughs> yes, he is. We get these shadows and, and hints that Boaz is this figure in the Bible is, who's supposed to remind us a lot of Jesus. And certainly he does. But Boaz isn't the redeemer. <laughs> but he can be a redeemer for Ruth and Noaz. But this idea of this kinsman redeemer, one who is close to us and has the power to redeem us, he became one of us that was born in this very place where our story is taking place, that he took on flesh and he lived a fully human life, that, that he is our kinsman in that he suffered what we suffer. He struggled with what we struggle with. He was tempted as we are tempted he knows our struggles, and yet he is the one alone who has the ability to redeem us. But it's not enough just to have the ability to redeem. He's the one who wants to, who desires to, who loves us enough to offer himself for us as the only one who can redeem. And he has, and he does. And every week we approach this table that is the evidence of his goodness as he, he provides for us and he, he protects us and he shows us grace and mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, our, our kinsman redeemer. We thank you for him who, who knows our, our frame, knows that we are dust, knows that we are weak, understands what it is to, to live a, a human life, to live a life of, of hardship and poverty. Who, though he was rich, yet for our sakes became poor, so that we might have all the riches of God in him. Uh, who, though he knew no sin, God sent him. To become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Lord, thank you that these things are true of our Jesus who sets this table in his own broken body and shed blood. And pray that you would be glorified in us and in him. We pray in his name. In the name of Jesus. Amen.